We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks. And the 2022 NFL Draft has begun for the San Francisco 49ers. As you all know, they did not have a first-round pick. That was the first pick formally given up to the Miami Dolphins in exchange for their ability to trade up last year and select quarterback Trey Lance. Um, so the, today, this uh, you know this was the first day that the 49ers got on the clock, which was day two of the NFL draft. Um, their first pick came at the end of the second round. What was the formal number? Pick number 61. The 49ers were pick number 61. And with that pick, they selected defensive end Drake Jackson out of USC, who chalks in at a relatively average for an edge rusher, 6'3", 254 pounds. Um, I did see a lot about his weight, whether it was in his draft profile. Even John Lynch talked about it in his post-draft presser. I believe he's going to play a little bit heavier than that. I think he's been anything between 240 pounds and 260, 270 pounds. John Lynch did mention in that press conference that he felt that Drake Jackson lost a little bit of weight. Uh, he got sick for a portion of time, and he said he lost like 15, 20 pounds. He has the frame to bulk up. I think that that's probably what the 49ers are going to have him do just for the sake of rundowns. But in terms of strengths, let's start with that. Rather than what he needs to do, let's start with strengths. He has He's very athletic. You watch him play. He moves around well. He, he has long arms. He moves quick. He can bend really, really, really well. Um, I dang it. I wanted, I had a tweet saved. I don't know if I retweeted it. I got to go find it. Uh, but I believe it was from Sam Monson of pro football focus. Let me see if I can find him. Okay. I found his profile. 
I don't know how much he's tweeted. So the fact, okay, here we go. Nobody in this draft class has the picture perfect dip and bend as an edge rusher that Drake Jackson has. Goes to the 49ers to become their new D Ford. That's an outstanding pick here. 49ers not picking until 61 and getting a player like Drake Jackson is an absolute result for them, to be honest. And that is kind of what we talked about on this podcast before the draft was if the 49ers were, you know, in a hunch about the fact that they don't make their first pick until 61, then what, you know, obviously it still has to work out this way, but what direction would be a better direction to go than edge rusher in a class that was um, notoriously deep? Notorious isn't really the right word, but notoriously deep at edge rusher because you're allowing the value to fall to you. Yes, you don't make a pick till 61, but if it's a deep draft clash at edge rusher, then that means that the pick that you are theoretically getting at 61 would have gone higher in, in another draft that didn't have as deep of an edge class. And Sam Monson Street at PFF underscore Sam kind of underscores that. I, I thought that, you know, obviously the 49ers had a bit of a need at edge rusher opposite Nick Bosa. And I thought that given the fact that they weren't going to pick until 61, that if they really wanted to take off some of the burden of feeling like that, you know, a lot of good players had passed them by, then why not target a position that was deep and that would give you somebody that may not be available, typically that spot. And that's what the 49ers did. And Drake Jackson, like I said, you watch him play, you can, he has, he wears, what's funny is he wears white gloves with all white sleeves. So it reminded me of Alden Smith. Now he doesn't necessarily play like Alden Smith. Uh, That would be unfair to tag on anybody, Um, but he is an impressive player. He does have some serious bend. He's a real athlete. He seems like he's comfortable in space. He's comfortable going toe to toe with a tackle in space and making a miss or, you know, moving down the line and tracking down a running back or a wide receiver on a sweep. He just seems to be a relatively comfortable athlete. Um, now, is that going to translate to if he picks puts on more weight? One of his biggest draft complaints was that he's, he doesn't hold up well against the run. He just doesn't have the size to do it. But he also looks like he has the frame to gain weight. And it does look like he plans on probably playing a little bit heavier than he did in college. Um, he has some some relatively modest statistical output. You know, when you look, when you think of a, a second round edge rusher, you probably think of more than 37 tackles, eight for loss, five sacks. Um, he had 12 and a half in three years. I did read that at some point he was dealing with a, an ankle injury in that last season. Maybe that had a, a played into the uh, the five sacks, but obviously it wasn't serious enough to affect his draft grade. Um, he had an 87.7 pass rush grade from Pro Football Focus, and I believe that Pro Football Focus's rating system gave the 49ers a really, really, really good grade for that pick at that point in the draft. You know, all in all, does it does it mean he's going to be good? Does it mean he's going to be a success? No. Of course not, but there's a lot of good things about the pick. And again, the fact that the 49ers were able to come away with a solid edge rusher, despite not picking until 61, that's a very good get. Uh, you know, you can't ask for anything more than to, than to, than to target one of the most important positions on a football field um, in a draft where it was deep. Uh, obviously, this makes, I believe it's six of their last eight drafts. Their first pick has gone to either a defensive lineman or a defensive end. You had Drake Jackson this year, Javon Kinlaw in 2020, Nick Bosa in 2019, Solomon Thomas in 2017, DeForest Buckner in 16, and Eric Armstead in 15. Now, obviously, Armstead and Buckner came before 
uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan took over the organization, but they just kept right up with the trend because in in the four in that four of their drafts out of six they've taken defensive linemen under Lynch and Shanahan. So uh, the train just keeps right on rolling. But John Lynch even said it in the press conference. This team has made it very very clear that they feel like they need to build from the inside out, whether it's offensive or defensive line. They basically feel like it all starts there, and it's tough to argue with them than that. I think that's a very reliable, repeatable, testable, solid football process. Uh, you know, process is the fact that you know if you have a great offensive line and or a great defensive line, you're probably going to be a good football team. Um, if you head on over to my Twitter at Robert underscore Louder, um, there is also a video that I quote tweeted of Drake Jackson doing a cartwheel into a backflip at. 6'3", 260 pounds, which is not normal. That's the type of athleticism you want to see from an edge rusher. I've always felt like edge rushers in the the way they're built in the NFL are the freakiest athletes on the planet. You're talking about guys that are 6'4", 6'5", 250 pounds, but can still run like 4'5", 4'4", 40-yard dashes. Just people that would rule the world if we went back to the Stone Age. Just absolute freaks of nature. So, um, the 49ers got themselves a good one. And one of the big things that I like about this pick is it gives somebody, it gives the 49ers an edge rusher to develop, which they know they can do under Chris Kasurik, who's had great results. And they give somebody for them to develop for the next f- at least four years opposite Nick Bosa. And Nick Bosa is going to play a big part in that development. But they bring in um, Drake and he's going to, be able to sit behind Chris Kasurik for years. And and he's somebody that's under contract now for years that they feel like is going to be good at that spot rather than kind of the, the rotating carousel that they have right now. You know, you've got, you've got Samson Ebukam, D Ford, who will be on his way out. He's not going to be playing with the 49ers this season. They re-signed Kerry Hyder. They've got Jordan Willis. Uh, you know, they have a, they, they signed Kamiko Ture, um, Kamoko Ture, excuse me. Uh, they got Charles Omena, who they have all these defensive ends, but all of them are just kind of there for a little bit. Omena, who I believe has got one more year. Uh, Kamoko was signed to a one-year deal. Um, D Ford's not going to be around. Sanson Ebukam, I believe he's got more than one year. I believe he has two years left, but the way the contract is built makes it kind of clear that they can even get out after this season too. So there is a ton of depth there, um, but most of it is not around anywhere past this season. So they get Jackson, somebody who they probably feel really, really good about, and they get him for four years. So, you know, it's good to have somebody opposite Nick Bosa that's going to give that group some stability. And with that pick, you can kind of spin it forward into it's probably pretty likely that Eric Armstead is going to play exclusively on the inside. There's a chance that he could play outside on base downs in which, you know, the odds are good of a run. And he's going to set that edge. But he was so good on the interior last season. One of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL that I, I I really feel like the 49ers are going to do everything in their power to keep him inside, even if that means bumping uh, – um, I've been drawing a blank on their, on their other defensive lineman that I literally just got done saying his name two seconds ago. Um, they could bump him outside. I still haven't said it. Javon Kinlaw. Come on, Rob. They could bump him outside. I mean, he's 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 definitely he was definitely drafted to play inside, but like I said, Eric Armstead played so good last year on the inside that they would be out of their mind 
to move him again. Just leave him there and let him keep doing what he's doing. And, you know, put Kinlaw is such a freak athlete that he could probably do pretty well from outside as well. So we'll see what they do there. I don't want to make any claims, but um, Drake Jackson joins an absolutely stacked group. Some There is going to be an impressive player or two that gets cut by the 49ers after training camp along that defensive line because they are just absolutely stacked. And uh, it's going to be interesting seeing who misses out on that. Um, just checking my notes to make sure uh, make sure I haven't missed anything else. No, that's pretty much it. The very next uh, selection that they made at in the third round of 93, a bit of a head-scratcher, a bit of, big of a surprise. I guess I shouldn't say it's a surprise, given what we know from the 49ers. LSU running back Ty Davis-Price. Now, I think that you guys are probably with me when the moment I talk about a third-round running back, you're, the first thing you're probably going to think about is Trey Sermon, who they just drafted last year as a third-round running back. They actually took two fourth-round picks and converted them and traded up into a third-round pick. And Trey Sermon did almost – I'm not going to say nothing. He did very, very little last season to justify – the third round price tag. And now the 49ers go ahead and they bring in another running back in the third round who at this point, I don't know. The best thing about the LSU running back Ty Davis price pick. And you got to go back and watch the video. If you haven't seen it, the pick was read at the draft by none other than the back to back, the two time, the 1993-1994 blockbuster video game champion and true international video gaming superstar, Dr. Disrespect, 6'8", 37-inch vertical leap, gaming great, came walking out onto the stage in his red tack vest, red long sleeve, tightly fit shirt, the Google prototype scopes with built-in LCD, LED, 1080p, 3D, Sony technology. I know I'm going on and on, but we got to see the doc read the 49ers third round pick. It was absolutely incredible. I freaking jumped up out of my couch, grabbed the girlfriend, was like, babe, look, it's the doc. And we both just went crazy. It was an absolutely incredible moment. Best moment of the draft, right there with Kyle Brandt's um, Bills pick, which was incredible if you haven't seen it. But the doctor disrespect read the pick for the 49ers. And all I got to say is he better be good because this is the second consecutive year where the 49ers have drafted a third-round running back despite the fact that the vast majority of the 49ers' success at that position has come with either late-round picks or undrafted free agents. You've got Jeff Wilson Jr., undrafted free agent, who's been strong with the team. Elijah Mitchell, I believe a six-round pick, right? Could have been a fifth if I'm if I just getting my – obviously, I've been staring at draft picks for the last, like, two days and eight hours, so I could get my stuff mixed up. But Elijah Mitchell, we'll just say late rounder. Jeff Wilson, undrafted free agent. Jamichael Hasty, not necessarily a star, but an undrafted free agent. Um, Raheem Moster, you know, obviously just a – free agent signing that bounced from team to team ended up becoming an absolute star under the 49ers. Um, every single running back that the 49ers have had significant success under hasn't been highly drafted. And then the 49ers took Trey Sermon in the third round and he managed 41 carries for 167 yards and a touchdown in nine games. And he only started two of them. 
And so you just, you have to wonder why they feel the need to target that position so high up in the draft, yet they've proven that they can have success. Going all the way back through Shanahan's scheme, um, going all the way back to Mike Shanahan, that they can have success with running backs uh, that aren't highly drafted. You know, now that I don't want to hold that over Price's Price's head. You know, he had a, over a thousand yards last season, averaged just under five yards a carry, four point eight, um, six touchdowns. But that's those aren't really impressive numbers. Those aren't college running back numbers that wow me into thinking this running back needs to be taken with a third round pick. But you know, it's Kyle Shanahan. I want to say he knows exactly what he wants in a runner in a, in a running back. And I don't want to necessarily knock, you know, I don't want to necessarily knock the player, Ty Davis Price, for for kind of just me thinking the pick is awkward. He's a big, big dude, stout dude, six six foot, six foot one, over two hundred pounds, um, very hard to bring down. Uh, has a really, really fast ten yard split, I believe, meaning he can get the ball in the backfield and tear up field. Um, he does a good job, but he doesn't have necessarily good three cone scores. He doesn't have necessarily good short area quickness, but he accelerates very, very well. And he has very good size. He's very tough to tackle. He runs over players at the second level. And I mean, he has had some very, very impressive games in his, in his career. I believe he set the all time rushing record against Florida I'd have to look up the actual game logs to kind of pick that one up to see how it went. But, I mean, he's an impressive player, and there's nothing saying that he won't be good in the 49ers system. But it just seems a little odd that the 49ers keep going back to running back, especially early. Okay, so here is his game against Florida. 36 carries, 287 yards. Eight yards a carry and three touchdowns against Florida. Ooh, ugh. jeez, like that is brutal. But again, two hundred eleven carries, over one thousand and three yards, four point eight yards a carry, six touchdowns. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how he works out with the 49ers. Do the 49ers want it to be Elijah Mitchell and Ty Davis Price? Do they want it to be Elijah Mitchell? Ty Davis Price and Trey Sermon. Do they want it to be Ty Davis Price and Trey Sermon? And you know, it's just uh, not, the team. Undoubtedly, the team needs running backs. There's no question about that. They've got Jeff Wilson Jr. He's still kind of working his way up from injury. Uh, Trey Sermon even struggled with some injury last year while being unimpressive. Elijah Elijah Mitchell kind of molded into that feature back role, got beat up. That's kind of when Debo Samuel started getting those carries. Jamichael Hasty, you know, solid practice squad guy, probably shouldn't be on an active roster. So you've got four running backs there, and Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, presumably, Jeff Wilson Jr., and the new Ty Davis-Price that can form a very, very strong backfield. And, you know, the 49ers, that outside zone run scheme, seems to get a, a lot of running backs hurt. It's taxing on their body. Um, you know, that one cut style just seems like it's it's it doesn't hold up well. So the 49ers having four featureable running backs um, isn't the worst thing. You know, it's not necessarily a mismanagement of draft resources. It just seems when there's some clearer needs elsewhere, um, not that you necessarily want to draft it for need, but teams do it all the time. It just seems kind of like an, an odd pick. So 
you better be good because if you're going to spend two third round picks on running backs two years in a row and the first time you did it, it didn't really seem that great. Um, hopefully something's different with this one. I don't know if they're if they're giving up on Trey Sermon. I doubt it, but they obviously felt like there was a need strong enough there to go there in the third round for the second consecutive draft. Um, Ty Davis did say after the uh, after the draft that he met with Kyle's dad, Mike Shanahan, which it was interesting to hear that Mike's involved in the draft route, draft process with the 49ers. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan said after the draft that he kind of like hides up in the office and just helps out in whatever he, way he can. Um, Kyle Shanahan said after the draft as well that they just don't feel like they can have enough running black, backs. The 49ers have shown that with the amount of injury they've taken at the position and Perhaps most importantly, getting another running back, maybe that many less carries for Debo Samuel if he well and truly is um, put off by being integrated into that running back role. And we'll talk more about Debo Samuel uh, in a little bit. And then finally, the last pick of the evening um, at 105, I believe, was wide receiver Danny Gray out of SMU. Um, just under six foot one, 186 pounds, uh, slimmer guy, smaller guy, not small. Six foot is, is not small, but runs a four, three, three, 40 yard dash. Absolutely flies. Absolutely flies. Let me pull up his stats. I had them sitting up here, but then I clicked out to do something else. Six foot zero, six foot, 186, 433, 40 yard dash. Last season, he had 49 catches for 803 yards, 16.4 yards a catch, and nine touchdowns. Um, took a quick look at whatever I could find in between the pick and jumping on here to record for you guys. And man, he is, is an intriguing player to watch. He's kind of has a slight frame, but he doesn't necessarily, he, he needs to get stronger, but he still holds up well to contact. He, he was surprisingly good at contested catches, going up and getting the ball over the top of receivers, coming down with it. Um, he is an, a burner. And I don't know necessarily what his – I'm going to try and look it up while I'm talking to you guys. I don't know what his ability is as a special teams player. Could he be a stud returner for the 49ers along with Ray Ray McLeod? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking it up right now as I talk. But that's something that could be the case. But going out and getting a bona fide speed threat for Trey Lance seems like a great idea, especially when you've got George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and hopefully Devo Samuel underneath. Um, let's say, let's see. In 2020, he returned nine kicks for 180 yards, an average of 20 yards a return. Uh, that's solid. Returned a couple of punts. Um, so no, not really necessarily a special teams player, just a big play threat. I know he came from like the junior college level, grew up in, I think a part of Texas that, um, was pretty rough going. I know he, I watched a quick video. He said he talked about gunshots consistently outside of his school, people screaming. And he said it kind of molded him into the man he is today. Seems kind of like a humble, humble beginnings, um, goes about his business in a quiet way type of guy. Uh, at least that's what I got from the video, but that could very well be be off but speed guy deep threat can can get to that third level get get into the second level get in that third level deep downfield and like i said i was just surprised at his ability his speed was apparent on tape but i was surprised at his ability to 
contest for the ball and and box out a receiver, stack the receiver, um, make a little bit of contact, and then let the ball fall over his shoulder or go up and get it and come down with it. Just pretty impressive player. And he could be one of those players that's kind of like ascending. You know, like we haven't quite seen the most of him. And um, I'm just reading, too, on Lance Zerline's draft page uh, for the NFL that Danny Gray missed out on the last two games of the season with an angle injury. Um, and he opted out of the bowl game to prepare for the NFL draft. So there's three games right there of his type of production that are missing from those statistics. Now, obviously, you'd want to – you don't really necessarily want to hear about another player that the 49ers have drafted struggling with injury. But at the same time, with that type of production, um, you know, you could assume his he probably there's a decent chance he could have gotten over a thousand yards on the season. Um, had 140 uh yards against Tulane, had 130 yards against Texas TCU, uh, four catches for 130 yards and a touchdown, average 32 yards a catch. Big play, big play, big play. Um He's going to have to earn that wide receiver three role. You've got, obviously, like I said, you've still got Debo Samuel, you've got Brandon Ayuk, and then you've got Juwan Jennings, who just seemed like he developed into a legitimate third down threat there late in the season for the 49ers. I mean, that was Jimmy Garoppolo. But um, Danny Gray brings something new to the table, a, a speed threat, something that the 49ers can call plays specifically for. And we know Trey Lance is just capable of throwing the ball way down the field. So, you know, you can easily see how that fit is going to work out. Um, I'm really, really interested. You guys all know I'm, I'm a wide receiver guy. Um, I coach wide receivers. I played wide receivers when I was in high school. Um, so I'm really, really looking forward to how the 49ers can use him. A lot of the passes he caught at SFU where they looked like Kyle Shanahan passes, you know, either it's deep route or it's a deep crosser, something over the middle of the field, catching the ball on space and just absolutely blazing a path to the end zone, destroying angles like, like so many 49ers players do. So, um, definitely a solid fit, a solid fit. Seems like a high personality guy, uh, came from nothing, ready to make the most of it. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm really excited to see what he can do. I think that was my favorite pick of the 49ers draft so far, not just because it was a wide receiver, but just as I started looking stuff up about him, watching the way he played, watching the way he talked, seems easy to root for, but we'll see as we learn more. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Obviously, the elephant in the room is still Debo Samuel, who was not traded to the Jets. You would have been hearing about that already. I would have had to jump on this podcast yesterday if that happened. But the Jets' number 10 pick came and went, and the 49ers did not trade Debo Samuel. And it came out during the draft, during the first round, that the Jets offered pick number 10 in exchange for Debo Samuel. Apparently, the Detroit Lions also made an offer as well. But the Jets' offer, um, suffice to say, the 49ers probably laughed at. Apparently, the Jets' offer was pick 10 and a fifth-round pick in exchange for the 49ers' second-round pick and Debo Samuel, which means that basically the 49ers were getting pick 10 but losing some value. So maybe it was like pick 15, 16, um, and then because they had to give up their second round pick. So you're, you're subtracting the value of that pick, and then they would get in a fifth round, fifth rounder, which is basically a wash, um, despite the fact the 49ers are pretty good at drafting in the fifth round. So that, to me, is a laughable offer. Uh, I, I would have hung up the phone pretty quickly if I were the 49ers. I don't blame them for not engaging in that. It's not even close. And Kyle Shanahan said that after the draft. So did John Lynch, that obviously they had to listen to trade offers based on the situation. But Kyle Shanahan said that no one even came remotely close to an offer that they felt was fair to them, fair to the 49ers, and fair to everybody in the building. If they were going to cut loose with a player as good as Debo Samuel, it would have had to have been for a very, very impressive offer. And that's exactly how they should have played it. The 49ers have Debo Samuel on contract for another year, and then they can get into the franchise tag mess. So at no point should they be bending to Debo Samuel's whim to trade him when he's still under contract. And it's not even a reasonable offer. It's not even it's not a laughable offer, but it's not good. It's not good enough for a player like Debo Samuel. And and that doesn't surprise me because the Jets tried to lowball their way into Tyreek Hill and they missed out on that too. So the 49ers still have Debo Samuel on their roster, which is the way they that it should be. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were asked quite a few questions about Debo Samuel in the press conference after the draft, uh, after day two of the draft. Kyle Shanahan said they haven't talked to Debo Samuel in a couple weeks, um, but both him and John Lynch seemed very confident that they were going to be able to work it out with Debo Samuel. Kyle Shanahan basically said, because that's what humans do, we'll work it out. We'll make it work. Um, we have a great relationship with Debo Samuel. We'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. Um, neither they both seem relatively upbeat and smiling, which is uh, a drastic contrast to what we just saw from John Lynch before the draft, who seemed insanely uncomfortable and stressed about the whole situation. Um, so maybe the draft has lightened him up, but you know, it's it, Debo Samuel is is in a weird situation now because not only did Debo Samuel not get traded, but AJ Brown, who was drafted in the same year got traded and was instantly given a new contract by the Eagles. Um, AJ Brown was traded for a mid first round pick. Don't remember the exact number Um, and instantly signed to a new contract or an extension by the Eagles, which was four years, a hundred million dollars. So the extension itself averages about 20 million, $25 million a year. But then when you add in the, the current year that, that, AJ Brown already has in his deal, I believe. It comes in somewhere just about oh, just over $20 million, $21 million, whatever it is. 
And that sets the market for Debo Samuel, which is kind of what we already felt the market was. And, you know, Debo Samuel asked for $25 million a year, which would probably have put him into the $125 million contract with, you know, who knows what he wanted, 50, 60, $70 million in guarantees. I believe A.J. Brown got about 56 guaranteed. So the market's set. Debo Samuel's still on the 49ers. He has very little leverage. He wasn't traded. The offers weren't good enough. And he and what's crazy is Debo Samuel made such a publicity stunt out of his trade request and not wanting to be on the 49ers. And now he's still on the 49ers as we enter into day three of the draft. And the guy in AJ Brown, who really wasn't public about his want to leave the organization at all, ends up being the one that was traded. And he made and he made less than what Debo Samuel was demanding, despite being arguably uh, he's not as dynamic as Debo Samuel. But AJ Brown is a good wide receiver, maybe as a pure receiver, maybe a little bit better than Debo. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm out of my mind for that. But you know, AJ Brown's a good receiver. We'll say that he's a comparable receiver to Debo Samuel. Both him and you know what? Here's what's crazy to me: Debo Samuel up in arms about being on this team for whatever reason. I don't want to try to guess that anymore. A.J. Brown, not up in arms, obviously working through the struggles of a contract negotiation. D.K. Metcalf, same draft class, same level of success for the most part, showing up to Seattle's camp, just knowing that they're going to work out a deal, or at the very least, he'll get traded to a team that's going to give him a deal. So you have, and, and you have Terry McLaurin, another very good receiver from that draft class, who just hasn't set a peep. So you've got Terry McLaurin hasn't said anything. DK Metcalf's going to Seahawks camp. Seems pleasant. Uh, AJ Brown, um, obviously, probably wasn't pleasant, but got traded and got the deal he was looking for. And then you've got Debo Samuel, who was the most publicly upset about it all. And he has nothing. And, and maybe his him being so public worked against him because all that does is tell the 49ers, hey, if you want to look like you completely caved to this player's demands and you were never in control of the situation, then trade Debo Samuel because that's what he's asking for. And, and that's a tough position for the 49ers to be in. It sets a dangerous precedent that any player that ever becomes reluctantly unhappy can just make a public stink, delete some photos off Instagram, demand a trade, and they're out. And you can't really do that as an organization. And now we've gotten to a point where the most loud person about their unhappiness with their organization is still on the team. So he's put himself into a tough tough spot. You presume that, and what's weird is I think they're all rep by the same agent. I don't know if Terry McLaurin's on that list, but I'm pretty sure AJ Brown and DK Metcalf are all rep by Debo Samuel's agent. So as Debo Samuel, are you not calling that agent, being like, "Hey man, what the fuck? I'm out here. I'm out here. Want you know, putting myself on the line, telling everybody in the world that I want to trade, and then you end up tr- facilitating a trade between AJ Brown and the Eagles." Now, obviously, the world doesn't revolve around Debo Samuel, despite the fact that he, he seems like he thinks it does. But it was just a weird situation, and now Debo Samuel's kind of in an awkward spot. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, both seem confident that they could work it out. And we'll see where it goes from here. Could the 49ers still trade Debo Samuel? Yes, uh, I guess. You know, for future picks. But you're giving him up for a season and not benefiting it from it until next year. Unless, of course, it was for a, another player that they could immediately bring in. 
and you know find success with. But I think the odds of Debo Samuel being traded have dropped dramatically, and the odds of the 49ers and Debo Samuel repairing all of this have risen dramatically. That just seems like the most likely course of action at this point. Um, but we never know. I mean, this whole situation has been wild. It's all been weird. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Trying to look through my notes. Obviously, now, as we into, enter into day three of the draft, hopefully you guys are listening to this on Saturday morning. Kind of right as the draft has started. Maybe maybe the, you're listening to this during the draft. But tomorrow, the 49ers still have six picks. Tomorrow in rounds four through seven, they have their, their pick in round four, number 134 overall. They have their pick in round five, number 172 overall. They have their pick. They have a pick in round six, number 187 from the Broncos. Then they have pick number 220 in round six, which is a compensatory pick 221 in round six, which is a compensatory pick and 262, the absolute last pick of the draft so, which is a compensatory pick and will be Mr. Irrelevant, which I'm not insulting anybody. That's just what they call the last player to be taken in the draft. So that's exciting. The 49ers will be making the absolute last pick. Um, as far as needs go, I'm not necessarily sure if the 49ers are drafting for a need. It doesn't necessarily seem like they are, but they didn't uh, They didn't draft anything in the offensive line, which to me seemed like their most clear need. John Lynch was asked if Alex Mack was retiring or had made it clear to them, and he said that he hadn't officially decided yet, but they had all the information they needed going into the draft. Well, they didn't draft a center. They didn't even draft a guard. So maybe Alex Max coming back, or maybe they have a free agent lined up that they would rather replace him with. Uh, Kyle Shanahan may prefer prefer kind of like a, a veteran in that spot rather than a rookie. Um, you know, they didn't draft a safety, and that kind of seemed like a need with with Jaquaski Tart, uh, a free agent. You know, maybe they really like Talno Hufunga. Uh, they did sign George Odom from the uh, from the Colts, but. I, he's kind of more of a special team standout, a stud, locker room leader. Not sure he's there. He's who they have built to start at safety. Um, they still don't really uh, – K1 Williams left the organization for free agency. Uh, don't really know who they're going to have play in his place. Yamador Lenore, Ambry Thomas, um, Emmanuel Mosley, and then they obviously signed Charvarius Ward, but that's going to be their kind of their, their main perimeter guy. So maybe they feel like they have enough competition to figure out where they want to go at the nickel spot. Um, so those are kind of like my main needs, offensive line, safety, uh, maybe, you know, I, instead of saying safety and nickel, I'll just say offensive line and secondary, um, interior offensive line more specifically, but we'll see where they go. Maybe that's not really how they're approaching the draft. Um, maybe they're confident in what they'll be able to put together or what they already have on the roster. Trying to think of everything else that happened um, throughout the draft, at least anything of note for the 49ers. Uh, nothing that's really hitting my mind in the moment. Just kind of cruising through headlines, seeing if there's anything out there that I, I feel like I, I missed bringing up for you guys. But for the most part, it was uh, kind of business as usual for the 49ers in the draft. They you know, waited for all their picks. They didn't trade and came out with some decent players. Obviously, the second pick in the running back, not really sure where they're, that's going to go. 
Um, the Panthers, you know, and Jimmy Garoppolo news, the 49ers just remain consistent that they are fine with having him on the team. Uh, the Panthers did trade, I believe, into the third round to draft a quarterback, and they were kind of considered uh, the strongest option for Jimmy Garoppolo, although it sounds like things started to pick up between them and the Browns over Baker Mayfield. But then Ian Rappaport came on during the draft, said that had kind of fallen apart, and they had elected to go with the quarterback. I believe it was Matt Coral, Matt Corral. Um, so it seems like the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo are in it for the long haul. And uh, we'll see where they go with that. Uh, could they still deal them? Of course. Uh, the Seahawks never really came away with a quarterback. Uh, what I, whoever the Broncos quarterback is, I, I doubt they're planning on running it forward with him. So I, I don't know. I don't know if there's really any quick way out for, for the old Jimmy Garoppolo. But the 49ers, again, have just maintained that they're perfectly happy, happy having him on the roster and it's all silly. It's all silly. But, hey, as long as Debo Samuel's still here, I guess it makes sense that Jimmy Garoppolo's still here too. Um, but, again, I believe the draft starts tomorrow at West Coast time 9. I don't want to just put out bad information. Let me, let me get our draft home. Let's see. Just have the schedule. Just right in the open. Why do they not have the schedule? Just right in the open. You would think that would just be at the top. Tune in. Um, I know it's tomorrow morning. It's Saturday morning. Check your check your local TV guides. Um, because the 49ers have quite a few picks left, and they've been a relatively good team drafting later in the draft. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they put together because they've they've earned that. They've earned they've earned me paying attention to them in the later rounds of the draft, that's for sure. Um, even if they've been a little weird in the beginning of the draft at times. But hey, it's you're, you really can't make too much out of draft grades and, you know, prognosis before the players even stepped on the field as a pro. Um, we'll see what they got. Impressive. Uh, um, could be some impressive picks. Could be not so impressive. I mean, that's really how it is. It's all a crapshoot. And uh, we really need to see these guys get on the field before we freak out too much about them. Um, again, second round, Drake Jackson, defensive end out of UFC. Uh, I said, I think I just said UFC. Obviously, he did not go to the Ultimate Fighting Championship. He went to USC, Southern California. Uh, at 93 in the third round, LSU running back Ty Davis-Price. And at 105 in the third round, SMU wide receiver Danny Gray. And again, one, two, three, four, five, six picks tomorrow. One in the fourth, one in the fifth, three in the sixth, and one in the seventh. Um, to include Mr. Irrelevant. So get on there. Check out the 49ers draft tomorrow. I will probably be back on here Sunday evening to break down the entire draft class and kind of talk about where they're going to fit in the squad, roster chances, all that good stuff on Sunday evening. Probably will come out uh, Monday morning. So be on the lookout for that. Check your feeds Monday a.m. for my draft class breakdown. Um, But, hey, it's Friday evening right now. If you're listening to this, it's a Saturday morning, which isn't known for being the best time to release a podcast, but there was no way I was just going to sit on these three picks and wait until Monday to talk to you about them. So um, if you are listening right now during your weekend, or maybe you've waited till Monday, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Strike and Gold. Thank you for making this podcast was it is. Don't forget to, on whatever app you're listening to it, rate, review, subscribe, download, all that good stuff that shows up on the metrics that helps support the, the pod. But hey, for another episode, I'm Rob. You are listening to Striking Gold, and we are signing out.